Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. We hope you'll come along for the conversation, and you can be part of that conversation by leaving comments at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 79. We also invite you to join our private Facebook group. To receive an invitation, send an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com and tell us your biggest need or problem when it comes to Christianity. We'll get an invitation right out to you. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith. So Greg, I got a question for you. Last week when we talked to Tommy, you were ecstatic. You were just so fired up about the conversation that we'd had, the conversation in the Facebook group where other people were taking issue with you know some of your views and there was some good back and forth. But the thing that surprised me the most, though, was how excited you were that Tommy was like, Taking issue with you, and she, I don't think she pulled any punches either. <laughs> no, I don't think she did. <laughs> she so, was shooting pretty straight. So, so what? I mean, why? Most people I know, like, they want to be understood. They want people to agree with them. They uh, feel better when people understand them and agree with your perspective. And you, like. Uh, I was like, is there something twisted going on here? I need to talk to my friend Greg about this. <laughs> In other words, you were just really excited that there's like all this disagreement. Like, is that because like you've got this secret plan to show them that they're wrong? Like, where where are you going with this? Why are you so excited? Well, that's a that's a good question. I'm I'm glad you you asked it. You were asking it, and I'm glad that you know I I, I appreciate so much about us able to be being able to be straightforward with each other. So yeah, I, I mean, um, I think what I find exciting, first of all, is the conversation. So Tommy's engaging with us, Anna's engaging with us, Evans are engaging with us, Marcellus has been engaging, engaging with us, we've had a couple others who have engaged with us. Um, I, I find that exciting. And I find it exciting particularly, not that somebody just comes and makes a comment and leaves, but that they're taking the time to explain what it is, like their perspective. I, what I particularly liked about Tommy is she had listened to that episode 68, which is the one she was commenting on very well. And she'd come up with her perspective on it. So she'd put in a lot of time and then she was careful. And then she was articulate about her own perspective. And um, I think what, what is happening for me is um, I am beginning to see more and more of what my own perspective is. So I've, I've, on the one hand, taken a lot of time to work some of this stuff out over, you know, some of it over, I don't know, 16 years now, maybe more. Some of it, some of it more than that, right? Uh, if it's sort of stuff to do with my past and, you know, dysfunctional family and all that other stuff. But the, the Christianity piece definitely a lot over the last, uh, yeah, yeah, 20 to 16 years, something like that. Um, but there's still so much more. There's so many more connections that I'm just now beginning to see. So as Tommy was, for example, pushing us last week, pushing me last week about, you know, you've got this really uh, uh, theoretical focus <laughs> and yeah. you you don't seem to want to, you know, 
respond to these kind of practical uh, questions or be practically focused and what's that about and is that more a skill set difference in me saying no you know I don't I don't think that is at all um, rather the theory comes out of the practice and comes out of some of the pain points in in living these things out and in seeing where they fall down or, or experiencing them go wrong but I made a, this really startling comment I was startled myself when I when I made it about saying you know part of this is actually my vocation this is actually where I'm heading with my life. And it's particular to me. And that wasn't clear to you before. No, no. In other words, that, that this need to flesh out the theoretical underpinnings, the theoretical content of the direction that I'm trying to point in is not just a, a preference for theory over practice. Um, I think in one of the things I'm writing on you know, right now is is why in fact we might need to be putting theory out as opposed to expressing or kind of uh, uh, presenting a practical approach because there are some impediments that are going to keep that, pr- that practical discussion from going forward. It's going to make the practical discussion lose traction. And I don't think that's always the way it is. But I think particularly in this case, it probably is. And I'm, that's something I'm trying to lay out right now and express why that is. So how does it, but still the disagreement, so the disagreement keeps you honest, it helps you refine your viewpoint, what, why are you enjoying it? (laughs) Both of those, both of those, and it's pushing me to bring out some of the, the, the notions and the understandings that I might not be as conscious of or might not have expressed and simply be presuming. And I think, too, what I would say is that for myself, my own process, I mean, I literally, I was a Christian. I was not a Christian for seven years. I am a Christian again. And the amount of uh, struggle and um, thought, uh, consideration, rigorous application of my own uh, disagreement with 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 a number of people, a number of thinkers, um, you know, some of whom now I agree very much with. But I had to go through that phase. So I see that phase in my own life that has been incredibly productive and beneficial, although difficult. I don't so, think that many people do that, though. Do you? No, I don't think so. I don't think they have to. Do you think? Do you th- so? The, do you think this is just a special way that you're wired? No, I think life happened and life just clobbered me and I had a couple of choices and one was roll over and die and the other was, you know, I, I th- maybe more than a couple, but, but one definitely was, you know, you're done, forget it. Just, just this is the way it is and you're going to have to just make the best of it. And, and another, at least one other was, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to climb out from under this hole under this rock and out of this hole and I'm going to try to figure out what's true and I'm going to try to live my life in the best way possible. Even though I've come through this, I'm now in this really dark place because of what's happened with my family, because of what I've seen in Christianity and Christian people. Um, If Christianity isn't true, I will still find what's true. I will still do my utmost and I will still do my utmost to live a good and right and noble life. And... um, what drives you to do that? You, you know, originally, 
Originally, I think when I was at one of my lowest points, and I, I don't, by a point, I mean a space of time, like a couple of years, um, as the kind of understanding about uh, the abuse that I had uh, received, you know, from my father as a child was beginning to, I was beginning to come to grips with that. I was becoming to accept the reality of that. I could no longer uh, hide it from myself, which is a self-protective measure that, of course, any, all children do when they're in those situations. But as I was beginning to accept that, I realized I had a couple of options. I realized, too, that when people as children suffer abuse, particularly from their parents, they tend to emulate that. And, and I had a couple of choices to make. And, and one of the choices that, that, that I came up with and that I decided was I will, you know, I, I'm not, I don't care what else happens. I'm never doing, I, I will be a better man than my father was. I will be a better father. I will be a better man. Uh, he, he did a lot of things very well. You know, I shouldn't make it. And I, I tried to balance my negative comments with, you know, recognition of the positive. But in those ways in which he did poorly, I, I will exceed him. I will, I, and, and that, that was, uh, you know, originally based out of a lot of anger. And um, sometimes anger, when you're in a place like that in your life, is exactly what you need. You do have to be careful and anger won't get you through. You can't live on anger. It's a bit of a catalyst. It's maybe like the, uh, I don't know, you're really tired and you uh, take a pack of Skittles and throw it back and you've got energy. That's great, but don't live on that. <laughs> that that's a jump start, but don't... don't. The crash that comes later isn't so hot. That's right. So you got to be careful. So I think I was there and, and I just had a whole ton, a raft of bad answers coming to me from the church bad answers coming to me from Christian people who were not many of, most of whom, uh, you know, at any other time I would have considered, uh, you know, friends or at least friendly, well-meaning. And they had no answers. They had no, you know, especially when my father, uh, you know, um, killed himself, killed my brother, killed that, that other a couple in a car crash that was just blatantly his fault, you know, driving twice the speed limit on a highway. And uh, people had no answers. And I said, well, if I don't have answers, and I maybe can't get answers, I at least have some knowledge. I have some knowledge that they don't have about who he is and what his character was like when he wasn't at work or when he wasn't looking his best. And I also have... I have the power to make decisions about my own life. And I have the power to say, I won't do that. And I think one of the real points of transition that came up for me as I became a Christian, as I was becoming a Christian, as I'd gone through, had new experiences of God, new understandings about God, and particularly about myself, is I realized that the th some of the things I desperately wanted to do, to be a, a good man, to, to follow through on this commitment, to be better than my father in all of these areas was a commitment that I could not do in some ways without being a truth seeker. And that when I saw the truth in Christianity, I was put in a very awkward position 
I could say it was a lie and walk away from it because I didn't trust. But then I would be embracing lies. And that in some ways is what my dad had done. So what was some of the truth that you saw in Christianity? Well, I saw a whole bunch of new ways of conceiving of God. So God didn't have to be this, uh, this bully. God didn't have to be somebody who didn't care. You know, I think a lot of what um, we saw in some of Darren Hufford's work, the Misunderstood God, was quite helpful in this regard. You know, um, I was disappointed with where Darren ultimately went and, and what some of the drivers were that he brought out, some of the motivating factors. But some of this, some of what he saw in God and how he sees God, I think is very accurate. Um, and I saw that there were many, many alternatives, many options in terms of theology, how, we, how God interacts with people, what, what hell is or is not, um, how God relates to people and who he chooses to be in relationship with and who he doesn't or if he doesn't. And I saw that some of the ways that Christian people had chosen to act were far removed from what the text, when you read it, more carefully would advocate that what people call good and how they how they measure good on a on a Christian according to a Christian yardstick um, can vary greatly. And what some people now and I guess what now I would say is what some people call good, I would call not good. And they're Christian people and they're measuring according to their understanding of the Bible. Which is one reason why I keep coming back to the importance of sound exegesis, the importance of looking at the big picture when it comes to who God is and how we read the Bible. Because these understandings we have about who the Bible is can be used to cause a great deal of damage. And having suffered some of that myself, I would not want that for anybody. And I certainly don't want to be the cause of it for anyone. So as you interact with these disagreements, are you thinking that do you ever find yourself changing your position or do you just like, do you have a baseline assumption that, that your approach is correct or like where, where are you, where are you going? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I remember being in a class, one of my classes uh, in grad school and talking to a different prof, not the one who was running the class. And, and I said, you know, I was having a disagreement with the prof in the class and I think it really, I knew that what he was saying was off. But the, the particular prof I was disagreeing with is an extremely quick fellow. His points and his thoughts come to him very rapidly. And I, you know, I'm not too slow, but I can't keep up with this guy. And the other prof looked at me and he said, well, of course. He said, you're a gut level thinker. It's not as all, it's all in your head. You're interacting with this on a much more visceral level. That's so fascinating because that was Tommy's criticism and I think others was, is, you know, too intellectual too. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, now maybe there's a nuance here, but I don't, I would not equate gut level thinker with an intellectual. I would say gut level is much more intuitive. I just think I should head this way and how I know that I don't know, but this is the right way to go. Here I go. I think what the other prof was saying who, you know, he, he knew me pretty well and we were having a pretty open conversation was that I was engaging with some of this material with everything that I had. 
And sometimes things hit me, they, they impact me at a gut level. And um, I'm not able in the moment to fully elaborate what that impact, what's caused that impact, what that impact's like, and why I would go in a certain direction based on that impact. Ah, okay. Which is essentially how our podcast began. <laughs> Except <Yeah>. for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So for I'm I'm just excited I guess by the disagreement because I don't think it's going to come any other way. I really do think in other it's words it's not going to come. The direction that we are going in is if we want to see it as plotting some, something on a graph or mapping out a journey is not going to come by way of of broad agreement. So you and I or or, or you know I'll speak for myself when I'm putting out points, I'm not expecting a whole bunch of people or whomever finds us on the internet to listen and say, wow, man, that's fantastic. You guys are saying exactly the right things. And, and I, I, I just completely agree. Because I, I think a lot of what we're saying is valuable and will strike people as being um, worthwhile. But at the same time, I think we're moving in a direction that is not, that they're not uh, acquainted with. We're bringing in some, bringing in some ideas and some ways of uh, interweaving uh, Christian thought and human experience or lived reality that are simply not prevalent in the church. I would not expect people to be simply saying, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, how does it make sense? I mean, where does it come from that that makes sense to you? If it's a new idea to you, if the way you deal with Christian issues is different from the way you deal with real life issues, which is something I'm writing on right now, then how, how, how have you managed to put these two things together? Because my experience of the church is that they've kept these two things apart. They tell us they bring them together, but they don't. And I, I, I think then that there's going to have to be disagreement. And I, I, I guess I'm so pleased that where Anna disagrees or um, Tommy disagrees, they are thoughtful, engaged, and uh, committed. You know, and I just hope that, they, they, that we keep going all together. And in terms of changing my mind, I would say back to that gut level thing, on the one hand, um, there's something more there. They're, pro- they're pushing me to bring out something more. And I think, um, I don't know if I would classify that as either changing my mind or not changing my mind, but simply saying that I think the discussion is broader and that really what I would hope to do is bring out the full scope. I'm not really interested in being right. You know, I've gone through a couple iterations of my life where I've changed radically. I was a Christian and the Christianity I had was wrong. I would advise anybody who believed that way to get out and change it. And then I was not a Christian, and I was an agnostic. And ultimately, that way of believing, taken in its totality, was, its, was also insufficient. I would advise everybody against that. And here I am at this point. Now, am I, am I on some sort of quantum track where I'm just going to move out to something next, like Buddhism <laughs> or whatever? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's not like that, right? It's not like changing your mind. It's about new understandings, new experiences, 
and putting this together in the fullest, richest way possible. So I'm, you know, I'm open to changing my mind. I'm open to changing my mind about a lot of things. But at this point, I'm, it's difficult for me to conceive of what would be necessary for me to do that. And if Tom, you know what I mean, like in terms of my beliefs or anything like that. No, it's interesting. Just popped in my head. I was reading a book called Decisive by Dan and Chip Heath. And it was it's how, about making decisions and how we make decisions and how to make better decisions. And hmm. I don't give the book. Well, <laughs> if you're a book reader out there and you're interested in making decisions more in a business context, I'd say it's an okay read, but I wouldn't give it... I don't think it's their best book. It's just too dense, too many stories. But one of the things that they commented on was confirmation bias. Mm. And so I guess the tie-in I see here is you you probably have some confirmation bias. In other words, you have a gut-level sense that this is this is the way things work, and so you're out there looking for ways... I'm guessing that you're mostly looking for ways that confirmed that work. You're also open to to things that don't. But I think the point in this one chapter was we have kind of a natural inclination to seek out things that confirm what we already think is the answer. And so these disagreements provide a natural way to, in a way, I don't know, keep you honest. And so they pointed to some business decisions where the business decision where, you know, the team pretty much kind of moved in the mode of following the leader in terms of the confirmation bias, they made some horrible decisions. But in other teams where there was lots of disagreement and there was room for disagreement and disagreement was welcomed. In fact, they would start some meetings by saying, come on, like everyone cannot agree that this is the right way to go. We need someone to disagree. How could we disagree with ourselves? And they would actually go through an exercise of trying mm-hmm. to disagree with their, themselves to see if there was something they were missing. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, it's interesting you raised that confirmation bias. What I would say is when when I'm pushed hard, what that does is it creates within me the same tension that I experienced when I transitioned from Christianity into agnosticism. And and obviously, I mean, that's kind of like the pinnacle, right? That's, that's, those, that's a very long transition, but it was a very tough time. And then when I transitioned from agnosticism back into Christianity, now the ultimate reality there is whatever views I may have held beforehand, I like the views and believe the views I had after more. So for me, when I get pushed, what that does is, you know, in many ways, what Tommy is saying or what, what Anna is saying, these aren't new ideas to me, right? I'm not living in the land of ideas. I'm expressing my life through ideas and I'm bringing them out as ideas because I can't, I don't live with everybody. And sometimes the power of story and just the relaying of personal experience can lack credibility or seem to. And I don't want that. I want to have as much credibility as I can because I think these things are true. But what that does for me is it brings out attention within myself, which is ultimately remarkably productive because that's how I've lived my life. I've been in that place. And I remember telling you about being in my tutorial session in November of 1999, sitting at Labrie, about to tell my t- tutor that I had decided that I was a Christian. And I waited in silence for 20 minutes in a room with a person, 20 minutes. That's a long time to be silent. 
right? Because there's that huge tension in me that I'm about to release. I'm about to let go of. But those tensions can be so remarkably productive, at least if we've learned to make them that way. And what Tommy and Anna do is artificially, because it's coming from outside of myself, they artificially recall to me those, you know, opposing notions or those, those, those various ideas where, you know, maybe I'm really focused on expressing one. And then Tommy says, well, this is really important. And then, you know, I agree with her. Yeah, you're right. So how do we work that out? And these two things kind of percolate together. And so part of what's happening for me in the last week is I am just seeing the links between what Tommy's talking about and what Anna's talking about and the direction that I think this takes the discussion in that still ties in with what I'm talking about and kind of makes sense of why I'm focusing on theory and yet moves us hopefully towards practice in a really beneficial way. That's so ironic because usually disagreement is not seen as a form of validation. (laughs) It's the exact opposite. Well, yeah, but I mean... Man, if I would have been stuck in either of those two places, I would have been extraordinarily unhappy. If I would have been the, continued with the Christianity I had through my teens and early 20s, or if I would have continued with the agnosticism, and you know, none of it was ridiculously stupid. I wasn't in this place of being incredibly foolish and or, and or uninformed. I mean, I tried to take a very informed and thoughtful approach and um, one, an approach marked by integrity. But I would have ultimately either not, both not been happy, but more so just felt like I was not being honest. Like my attachment to the truth was somehow much weaker than it is now. And then my ability to love, my ability to be in love relationships and allow those to be real, but also to have a way of being critical and being criticized. And I think those that 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 kind of double focus is really important. So if we were to close this out, what would you say to people that are in maybe Tommy's camp? They're like too intellectual, not practical enough. It sounds like you're saying you actually favor the practical more, but that you think that the path to making this really make more sense is going to start, is going to continue in this theoretical track before it becomes more practical. Is that? I think so. Yeah. And I, I would say to those people, um, well, I would, I would say two things. One is, you know, keep disagreeing with us. Well, yeah. <laughs> keep, keep disagreeing keep, with Greg. I'm, keep, well, keep connecting with made us. Up yet. Keep keep putting keep putting your your perspective out, but but on the other hand, I would challenge those people, um, as I would like to challenge Tommy and Anna, particularly. I don't think my hunches and and the direction of my thought right now and my writing is that we will not gain the things we want to gain, the things we are hoping for on a practical level. By and large, we won't gain those without taking a detour through theory. And I don't think that's always the case, right? Um, You know, it's not like life always has to be seen like a 
project in nuclear physics where if you don't have the theory down, you're going to blow something up. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going with – I don't have that perspective. But I think there are certain things, certain ways that Christianity has been presented and certain dominant viewpoints and perspectives, many of which are not articulated. They're not consciously held. But they will, I believe, ultimately thwart some of the goals that I think Tommy and Anna, for instance, would hold in high esteem. And I think the solution to allow, in other words, the way that, in other words, those practical um, desires will best be fulfilled is by being ready, being aware of what some of the impediments are on a theoretical level that are going to get in the way of us being able to practically go where we want to go, do the things we want to do, have the type of solutions and effectiveness when we're talking practically with each other that we want to. And the only way to, to be prepared for that and to really make the gains we want to um, is by having a good sense on the theoretical level of what those impediments are and how we may address them. So thank you to all of you out there who have disagreed with us in writing or maybe even in your head and you haven't written to us yet. So do it, please. <laughs> yeah, and, and keep it up. I, I would say we did have one other fellow, um, Eric, who offered some disagreement, but the, the content of what he was disagreeing with, he didn't really give us any content. Whereas Anna and Tommy, on the other hand, have given a lot of content. Here's what I think and here's why. And here's why it's important Ah, okay. We've got a lot to work with there. And that it really is the basis for a conversation. We want to have a conversation with you. We want to have a conversation because for me, for my part, my life has been drastically changed for the better. You know, I've gone through an iteration of Christianity and it did not work and I gave it up. And I went through an iteration of being an agnostic and it was far less meaningful and far less true than the Christianity I have now. So, you know, I remember talking, you, you, you'll remember this, John, from Labrie, that one of the workers used to constantly come out, not constantly, but very frequently would come out with this, this, uh, this framing of his belief, I am a convert. And what he meant by that is I didn't grow up in the church. He came to Christianity in his 20s without much background as a child, which is uh, less common. I would say I have deconverted and I have reconverted. And that there is something, I wouldn't recommend that path to anyone because it's murder, it's brutal. Uh, but I've learned some things through that. And um, yeah, I, I just love to continue to dialogue with people in order to put out what some of those important things are that I think I've learned and that I think are valuable for other people and see what other people think of them. And hopefully they'll, they will find them valuable too. That's my hope. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions on this episode, so leave a comment at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 79. We also invite you to join our private Facebook group. To receive an invitation, send an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com 
and tell us your biggest need or problem when it comes to Christianity. We'll get an invitation right out to you. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.